I don't think you young, but I'd like to say I'm now a year older. Yeah. So you can officially take me seriously. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm really excited to be here this morning because I'm really excited about listening. And that's like a funny thing to say you're excited about because who like puts on your list of hobbies? Like, I love listening. Um, but I'm excited that we started this new sermon series about listening. Um, uh, and to be honest, I'm also feeling like a tiny bit intimidated. Um, because uh, like, I know that there are a lot of voices talking and a lot fewer listening. And, and I think that this year I've actually learned a lot about listening and how important it is. Um, I took a class at this church called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Ooh. And um, both taught me that listening uh, is a conduit to, like, really beautiful friendships, really beautiful relationships. Listening is a form of love. Um, and over the summer, I worked at a, uh, a shelter for people experiencing homelessness. And uh, my director kept repeating to me, like, many days in a row, Annie, some of the most potent medicine you can give someone is attention, is listening. So... I'm excited because I think that, like, listening is an incredible part of our spiritual journey. Um, but the reason why I'm also a little bit intimidated, because in this last year of, like, learning and reading and listening to other people, I think I've realized that I'm actually not as good at listening as I thought I was. I think I maybe thought that I was, like, top ten listeners, and I'm just not even close. Um, and upon reflection, I've actually learned that my family at large has to try really hard to listen to each other. Um, my family, so like to understand this, you have to understand my family like loves to talk. We love to talk. Um, my family's full of talker, talkers. My mom talks a lot. My sister talks a lot. I talk a lot. And I think my dad would talk a lot if we didn't talk so much. Um, and uh, yeah, like what I've realized is that like my family kind of takes up a lot of space. And uh, we've had to learn to listen to each other. Um, so, like, one Hall of Fame Kornberg story is uh, one morning my mom was repeating herself. She was walking around the house, and I'm sure she said to me, like, Anne, clean your room, like, 15 times. <laughs> and I was not listening. And I think that other things were happening, right? Like, no one is listening to my mom. That's what's happening. I'm sure some moms have felt this, maybe. No one's listening to my mom this morning. So my mom is a very sweet woman, but she... Uh, raises her voice a little, and she's walking down the hallway, and she goes, no one listens to me in this house. And I'm not sure if this was just good comedic timing, or I actually didn't listen, but small me from down the hallway said, what? Yeah. And the, the like, perfect timing of it, like, she dissolved into laughter. I think she, like, just, <laughs> like, probably pleaded with God. But <laughs> she was... Uh, like, the sheer truth of her statement is that, like, we actually weren't listening to her. And though this is now, like, a cherished Kornberg family memory, um, we've actually had to try really, really hard to make sure that everyone in my family is heard, especially my dad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like, we have had to set expectations that people will listen, and especially listen to what is important. Um, we've had to, uh, like, pay attention to each other, especially at, like, the dinner table, where we all want to talk about our days and how it went down. Um, and while Christmas can still sound like a symphony of cornbread voices all at once, our effort to listen to each other is actually 
made us more attentive to each other and ultimately a lot closer. Um, and I think this is because actually what I've learned is that intimacy, I mean, listening, there we go, is a conduit to intimacy. So when you are listened to and when you are listening, you actually find yourself closer to the people that you're around. And I bet we can all find somewhere in our life, maybe a friend, a family member, even like a coworker, um, that either listened to you well or that through listening to them, you felt closer to them. Because listening sprouts intimacy. And it's true that a pattern of being listened to and listening to God can also create an intimate relationship with God. So last week, Heidi focused on how good and rich it is to follow a God who wants to listen to us. And today, I get the pleasure of telling you something that has been extremely important for my life, which is that God is speaking and wants us to listen. It's true. It's peppered through scripture. We can hear it in our worship songs. Um, Adam McHugh, which is the author of The Listening Life, which is the series that actually, I mean, the book that actually inspired this series, he says the universe crackles with the sound of God's voice. Because God is speaking and wants us to listen. Which is, like, really simple, right? Probably not. Um, when we hear that God wants to speak to us, I'm sure it, like, raises questions for some people. Uh, maybe some of you are thinking, well, God wants to speak, but God doesn't want to speak to me. Um, and others are thinking, well, if that's true, why can't I hear God? And still others may be thinking that, yeah, I believe that God wants to speak, but I don't want to hear what God has to say to me. I've been there. <laughs> and as I delved into this topic, I actually have to admit that all of these questions came up. My mind was scattered with some of these thoughts about listening and does God really want to speak to me? Um, and I think I realized we could probably do a string of sermons on this topic alone. Um, but one scripture actually brought me to some clarity about God wanting to speak to us. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah and God actually had a conversational relationship. From Elijah's introduction in 1 Kings, uh, we can tell that he listens to God, and God listens to him. Uh, and because of this conversation, wild things happen. Through uh, listening to God, Elijah announces a drought that makes a lot of people angry, eats some food from ravens, and goes to stay with a stranger. Uh, and also people hear God through Elijah hearing God. So God, Elijah, other people. Um, so Elijah listens to God, and others hear God through his intimate relationship with God. But also, God listens to Elijah. On one instance, uh, through God listening to Elijah's prayers, a boy is brought back to life. So this goes on for years, and Elijah and God have this conversational back and forth. Um, Elijah listens to God, acts on what he hears, and prays to God for what he needs. And this cycle forms a really actually intimate bond. It, by one king, by First Kings eighteen, you can tell that uh, Elijah knows God very well, and vice versa. At the start of the chapter, uh, God tells Elijah, "Go present, go present yourself to King Ahab." That king hates him. Pretty risky. Uh, but Elijah actually says yes and obeys God, 
And I think part of that is because um, Elijah knows God really well. So when you know someone well, right, you can trust them to say, yeah, I'll do that thing that you're telling me to do. Um, So through this interaction, uh, Elijah challenges the king to a God-off. It's true. That's exactly what goes down. Read it. (laughs) Um, The king and his followers had, like, rejected the ways of the big G God and had followed the ways of the little G God called Baal. Uh, And Elijah tells the king, okay, gather the prophets of Baal and uh, devises a plan to prove that his God, Elijah's God, is the only true God. So they both set aside a sacrifice, and and Elijah says, okay, whoever's God shows up, and burns this sacrifice is the real God. And they say, okay, I paraphrase. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so so the people who are following Baal start to talk, and they start to scream, and they're screaming at God, at their little G God, listen to us, come and burn this sacrifice. But no matter how, how loud they scream, no matter what they say to their God, Baal doesn't listen. Baal never comes. Baal never burns up the sacrifice. But as we know... Our God does. So Elijah prayed, and God showed up, burned the sacrifice, and proclaimed that the God of Elijah, Isaac, Abraham, and Israel is the one true God. God spoke that day, and people listened. The followers of Baal screamed, Lord, he is God. Lord, he is God. And quickly following this, the drought stopped. So let's pause there. What we can tell from this story is that, one, we learn who God is through listening. Elijah knew God's voice because he had been listening to God for years. Additionally, we, when people listened to Elijah, they heard God. Okay, the second is that God spoke in fire. God heard Elijah's call and showed up bringing fire. So we learn that when God speaks, amazing things. That day, people turned from a little G false god to the big G real god. Pretty cool. So what we might expect next in the story is that Elijah goes on, like, a prophet world tour, tons of high fives. It's, like, top of his game. He saved a whole bunch of people from a false god. He brought back rain to a place in the middle of severe drought and famine. Elijah showed bravery and courage and obedience. It's, like definitely what you tell at like a regional prophet conference you're like you know on stage being like yes i did do that but that doesn't happen okay so what happens next is elijah actually gets a death threat a woman with some influence named jezebel says to him and i'm going to paraphrase this he says she says i'm going to kill you um yep and brave smart and strong elijah the one that we just saw like a total mountaintop moment, totally freaks and runs for it. Gone. He ditches his servant, he runs to the wilderness, and he pleads with God to take his life. God ministers to him and gives him food and water through an angel's care. And then he keeps running. And this is uh, not casual. He runs for 40 days and 40 nights. So it's like not a casual hiding, it's like a full-on flee. He's gone. Um... So after this, like, huge God moment, Elijah um, chooses to run. Even though he knows God, even though he's intimate with God, he chooses to flee because of Jezebel's death threat. Uh, And this is the place 
that God chooses to come and speak directly to Elijah. Okay, so I'm going to pause here. And I want you to think for a second. Elijah just had his mountaintop moment, and now he's hiding in a cave. What do you expect God to say to Elijah? Maybe you could put yourself in Elijah's place, right? Like, if you had just had, like, an awesome, I trust God, everything went well moment, and now you're hiding in a cave, afraid for your life, like, what do you think God would say to you? So I'm going to give you a second to actually think. Okay, so maybe you expect God to be like an angry teacher. Maybe God would say, Elijah, don't you know better by now? Maybe you expect God to be like a disapproving parent. Elijah, you are such a disappointment. Maybe there's another voice in your head that says what you would expect God to say. Maybe you think that God might say that about you right now. What we believe that God's voice might sound like will directly impact whether or not we actually want to listen. If we expect that God will meet us with disdain and anger, it's a lot harder to listen. In my life, the times that I have run the furthest from God, it is the hardest for me to turn and listen because I feel sure that God would be disapproving that I wasn't doing better that God would say things to me that illustrated that God was upset that I hadn't learned lessons quicker, that God would be um, mad that I was so selfish and taking up space with my emotions. When I have my Elijah in a cave moments, I expect God to be really mean to me. But actually, the voices in my head that say that aren't God. So in 1 Kings 19, this is how God actually appeared to Elijah. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper. And it's not that God doesn't speak in fire. We just saw that in the last chapter. But to Elijah, the prophet on the run, God speaks in a gentle whisper. And I believe this is because God actually knows Elijah and knows what he needed. When the whole world was chaos for the prophet, he needed the stopping silence of God's presence. And God says, what are you doing here? And as Elijah explains, he says, all the other prophets are dead. And I'm the only one left, God. And now they want me dead, too. A moment of despair and desperation um, comes up for Elijah, and God chooses to bring him comfort. 
God says to Elijah, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And then he tells Elijah who God will appoint next. Sending a very unclouded message to Elijah, right? Like, I am sending you help. You will not be alone anymore. This interaction that maybe some of us thought would be a long lecture or a super huge guilt trip was actually an interaction of love, comfort, and a reinvigoration of Elijah's calling as a prophet. Go back to where you came. I have more work for you. You don't need to be in this cave. Through the whole story, one thing sticks out to me as abundantly true. God is speaking and wants us to listen. In the highest moments and in the lowest, in the midst of existential turmoil, and in the times we're feeling like we are fulfilling our greatest calling, God is speaking and wants us to listen. God's voice in the fire had the ability to turn hearts back to the real God. God's gentle whisper turned Elijah from deep despair to a glimpse of real hope. God's voice has the ability to transform us. And it's good to listen to that. So the story of Elijah might tell us why it's good to listen. Amazing things happen when we listen to God's voice. And we want that intimacy that listening to God offers. Elijah's story helps us to see that it's, it's better to listen, even when we're scared. Um, and what I feel is that we also can't escape that Elijah's story is still true today, that God is still speaking today. And my belief is actually that God speaks a lot more than we think. Um, sometimes God speaks through scripture, through miracles, through worship, through a sermon, a friend, a prayer, or even like spoken word exactly like Elijah. Um, to me, God has spoken in really, really mundane activities. I think that we make it this giant thing, and sometimes God speaks to me when I'm vacuuming. <laughs> you know, um, I had a flat tire the other day, and God spoke to me through that. Uh, God has spoken to me through a friend over coffee. The other day, I felt like God spoke to me so profoundly through me remembering all the words to come thou found. I was like, and it was just a song that I've known forever. Um, like Adam McHugh says, the, sound, uh, the universe crackles with the sound of God's voice. But there are a lot of factors that prevent us from actually think, thinking that we're hearing God's voice. Um, there's a lot of things that make us think we're not hearing God's voice and make us really, really afraid of hearing God's voice. One is that our world moves really, really fast. Um, and when our world moves so fast, like, our heads are probably moving that fast, too. <laughs> and so it's really hard to slow down and try to figure out what God is trying to communicate. Um, we often also doubt that what we're hearing is actually from God. Um, the fear that we will mishear or misunderstand God can sometimes keep us from listening at all. Hearing from God can seem really scary, unreachable, and, and daunting. But the truth is, the same truth for Elijah, that God is speaking, speaking to us all the time. Um, the, communicative, the, the communicative relationship between God and Elijah is actually a possibility for all of us. And I think maybe some people, me included, would sit in the audience and be like, oh, yeah, but not me, but actually you. Um, 
my dad used to say that, that God was like radio waves and that we had to tune our antennas to hear, right? That like God is always going through the air and that we can always choose to listen. Um, but actually, there are some things that we can do to learn how to tune in. Um, when we hear from God, Adam McHugh suggests three filters in which we can make sure that what we heard was actually the voice of God. And I find them really, really helpful. Um, the first is what we hear from God, whether it's worship, scripture, another person, it has to sound like God. So it has to align with scripture. As we learn more about who God is through stories and scripture and the character of Jesus, we will be able to discern whether what we're hearing is actually God. Um, if what you hear is not full of the qualities of the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, if it doesn't have those things, if it's mean like the voice in my head that just like wants to put you down, it's not God. God speaks with the fruit of the Spirit. The second is that we listen in community. Um, listening to God is best in a community that's also listening to God. And this is because uh, what, you, what you hear from God can be checked out by the community. Like, people can be like, yes, I think that's also from God. But also, uh, the words that we hear from God are often for a community of people, for the benefit of more than just us. So when we listen in community, with we, when we share what we hear with community, uh, we're not only making sure that that we can hear, that we are hearing from God, but we're also blessing the people around us. The third correlates directly to that, like, how fast our world moves. Um, we need time to reflect. God's words are often the beginning of, an op of a conversation, not the end. Um, we, when we are able to, like, converse with God and process, we actually get clarity, which is a really amazing thing. And sometimes our world moves so fast that when we hear something from God, we're like, okay, I'm going to do it. But we actually have enough time and enough trust that we can check things out with community, read scripture, ask more questions. And we, in that act, we trust that God will lead us through our processing. To illustrate these three uh, guidelines, I'd love to tell you how I got the job I'm currently doing. So, like Heidi said, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is a college campus ministry on a lot of campuses all across America, and there's even some internationally. Um, and we are passionate about every corner of campus coming to know Jesus. So what I do is I go on campus, and I love students well and help them to see Jesus. So for the last three years, I worked at WSU, which was rad. I loved working at WSU, and in the winter of last year, I was digging my job, was feeling like the ministry was going well, and I was super happy at WSU. Um, I had some Elijah fire moments. I had some Elijah in a cave moments. But in February, I was feeling super steady. I was feeling like I like my job, like the people here, really excited about it. And then I heard something from God that I didn't expect. I had a spiritual direction session, and I heard from God that it was time to leave. Yep. Through a clear picture of a loving God's voice, I heard promises of what God had for me in the future. I heard a loving voice that was still daunting and loving at the same time, saying, hey, it's time to go. And I was like, wait a second. 
Leaving wasn't on the docket. Things are going well. I don't want to leave my students. I don't want to change jobs. No, thank you. Um, so I waited. I was confused and sad, so I waited. But then God spoke again. God spoke to me actually here at this church through Sandy. I bet you don't even know this. Um, surprise. Uh, one day we were praying for each other, and Sandy turned around to me and said, that God has a really big change coming for you. I was like, hmm. Yeah. I hadn't told a single person that this is something I was considering. And she literally turned around and said, yeah, I just think, I just feel like God has something different for you. And I was like, oh no. Um, But so right, like I heard this call, this thing that God was saying, like confirmed through my community. And you didn't even know that was happening for me. So God was speaking through Sandy. And a third time, actually, I was at a Bible study that I was leading, and I heard God speak to me through the biblical story of Lazarus. So Lazarus is a story where Jesus brings someone who was dead for like four days back to life. And through that, I felt like Jesus was saying to me, I promise you life after death. Leaving campus feels like death, and God was promising me that there was life that followed. So in February of last year, I thought I was to quit my job and start a new one completely separate from university. But I needed that third thing. I needed time to reflect and have clarity. So I sat for three months. I didn't do anything. Um, I sat and I prayed. Well, I did, actually, I did not not do anything. I did a lot of things. I talked to my community. I asked for prayer and I read the Bible, but I didn't quit my job. Um, I needed to get more clarity, and I was asking God a lot of questions about why this would happen uh, and what I was to do next. And through listening to God in a lot of different ways, it actually became clear that I wasn't to quit university, but I was, in fact, to leave WSU and plant a new chapter at Lewis Clark State College in, in Lewiston and here at the U- University of Idaho. Um, nervous but still hopeful and extremely peaceful, I got to say yes to what God was actually calling me into. And so I said yes to this job, and I really love it, and I'm having a lot of fun, but that's actually not the point of the story. (laughs) The point is that God was speaking to me and wanted me to listen. And there was a lot of ways that God spoke to me. And I think the application for you is exactly the same that God is speaking to you and wants you to listen. Because when we listen, we actually hear the words of our creator. We get pulled closer to the God of the universe. And that's pretty awesome. And when we listen to God, to God we really might have our lives shaken. We might get new jobs. We might move new places. We might meet new friends. But choosing to listen to the loving, kind patient, strong, and victorious voice that is already speaking will lead to actually really full lives. God is speaking and wants us to listen. So there are a lot of ways that God can speak. In my story alone, there were three. (laughs) And there are probably a hundred other ways that God was talking, but I heard three. Um, But this morning, I'd love for us to just try one. 
This morning, we're going to practice the stopping silence of Elijah. And this is like the same thing we do in emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships. We take a moment of silence, not because we um, need to plead with God to say something to us, but in our fast and chaotic world, sometimes it is so hard to hear when we're running at light speed. So even just the act, even if we don't hear a spoken word from God, the act of slowing down and making space for God will create intimacy with God. So for the next minutes, we're going to stop our bodies and quiet our minds and sit and choose to listen. Um, if you're someone like me <laughs> and your mind is like, oh no, what if I don't hear from God? Oh my gosh, and you're thinking of a thousand different things. Just remember that God is already speaking and you don't have to perform. You just get to be quiet and still. So I'm going to pray for that, and we're literally just going to take a, a moment of silence where we sit here quietly together and listen to God. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who speaks to us, that you are a God who loves us enough to be close. I pray that you would come in this room and speak to us and quiet us and speak to us with that peace that you gave Elijah.